The following program is intended for mature audiences. Warmest aloha, sir. Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly to you, too. He's so Holly, he doesn't even know he's Holly. I'm tempted to say menehune. Like Hawaiian leprechauns. <laughs> or chipmunks or something. What's wrong with that turtle? He has lung problems because he smoked too much turtle weed, which is bad for you, right, Ola? Hawaii has a big future. I, I, I want to become a part of it. I know every angel of these islands. I'm like a good tourist guy. What we're about to say. See, we're on a mission. Trying to find a way. If you and me make a guarantee. And welcome to living the Aloha life. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the poor man. And I'm Dr. Aloha. Man, it's been a long time since we've done a free podcast. Yeah. What's it's up with been, the voice? I don't know. Oh. I think it's because we've been <laughs> drunk? drinking. Ah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. There's nothing wrong with that. We've actually went out for the first time in a long time. And like a, sat down. Yes. Into a restaurant. And we didn't have to deal with a line. Like a three hour line or a two week wait. So we got to celebrate by having some drinks. Yeah, is that because Outback sucks so much? Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's big on the mainland in Hawaii. We had, Outback. we had a peanut... We, a, p- 
pina koala a pina koalas we had pina koalas <laughs> i was like this is a joke is this a joke it had a marshmallow koala bear on it top. was a joke it was pretty beautiful it was a yeah it was a koala marshmallow <laughs> it's like it was an imprint of a koala on the marshmallow mm. it was good though it was good it so had it was cinnamon like a rim yeah so it was like a it was like like a martini yeah it was like we had martinis and it was good it was good. And it wasn't busy. And I felt good again so about going outside it in was public. The first time we went somewhere where it wasn't so so busy. Yeah, it was kinda nice. It was really nice. And uh, we just came into Link Ray Rumble. And we are going to be doing some good old surf songs today. Uh, because on this week's free podcast we're gonna be celebrating the life of and recent passing of the legendary surfer Greg Knoll. If you don't know who he is, you're going to after listening to this podcast for sure. Uh, Greg Knoll was a big part of the surf documentary Riding Giants. It was one of my most favorite surf documentaries. Uh, I, I always go back to it. I have it on DVD. I got to get it on Blu-ray. It's just an awesome documentary on the evolution of surfing. Uh, from California, from Mavericks, to Hawaii, to Pipeline, to Waimea, to Australia. Mm. It's just a really good documentary. And I think anybody that loves surfing or anybody that wants to understand why the fuck people get up on a 50-foot wave and want to take a chance on a 50-50 death sentence, you got to watch this documentary. Who else is featured in it? Uh, Do you remember? Every, every a lot po- of yeah, yeah, every possible famous surfer that you can think of. That's is, awesome. Is, is in this documentary. So please, guys, go watch Riding Giant, which is an absolute must-watch if you love surfing. And you got to read the book, Da Bull, <laughs> Life Over the Edge, which is also a great read. And that is off, obviously the life of Gregno. The documentary, I think you can rent it on Amazon for yeah. a few dollars. Right on. You should be able yeah. to. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into the life of Greg Knoll, we're going to be spending the first half of this podcast catching up and discussing local news. And really one of the main reasons why we're going to be doing this and blasting you with, with local news is because we haven't done a free podcast in a while. And honest to God, you know, I'm just going to be just upfront with everybody here. <laughs> you know, we're doing podcasts for the supporters really i mean we're doing podcasts for the patrons right and you know we wanted to do a few more for them lately and honest life has been so goddamn busy with everything that's going on here right now especially you yeah especially me with the tour business and all the other businesses i'm starting up and i'm trying to get involved with um that i we've really only been able to put out shows for the um dedicated patrons for me it's finally my calm time of year Good for you. I know, I love it. Because you're the only calm that I have going on right now because (laughs) I'm just going crazy. No, I mean, from December to mid-June was like insanity for me. And now I'm finally like able to breathe again and you're not. (laughs) No, no, I mean, it's just... just, We we flip-flopped. I don't know when this is going to all stop, but we're going to get into a lot of stuff coming up here in the news. We have a lot of news to discuss. Not all of it's positive. Actually, I don't know how much, uh, uh, if anything at all, is positive, but hopefully someone sees some positivity in something we talk about. I hope. Mm, what I do you think? I'm you think pretty it's good at that usually. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well then, let's start off with over tourism. How's that one? <laughs> yeah, not a 
Japan. <laughs> so over-tourism continues for the Hawaiian Islands. Over the holiday weekend, uh, the 4th of July weekend, Hawaii saw 100K new visitors come to the islands. Now just think about this. Pre-pandemic Hawaii was averaging around 35K a day. So in two to three days, we had 100K. We're, so we're beyond pre-pandemic. We're like at... We're like at DEFCON 5. And it's just been domestic travel. Oh, my God. So that is really crazy. Um, And, you know, honestly, it's not the best time here for locals or tourists just because whether you live here or you're visiting here, you have to wait in crazy lines. You can't sit down anywhere like we were just talking about. Like, we got really lucky tonight, but... Typically, Saturday night we tried to go out to dinner. No. We couldn't get in anywhere, so we Take settled on takeout. But that's just how it is now. Um, if you have, if you're coming from a big city or you know a state that has no patience, this would not be the place to come right now. Yeah, it's really, really long waits for everything. And if you're coming to visit, just book your book everything two months out. You have to <laughs> right now. I, I know that sounds crazy. I'm getting I'm getting calls for to book a tour tomorrow. Are you joking yeah, me? What's wrong know. with these people? They don't know. How would they know if they're not well, here? Well, wake you know? up. Well, we don't wake up. Yeah. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. They don't know. How um, would they know? I mean, what do they think? Nobody's coming to Hawaii. Hawaii is like blowing up right now, and we're going to talk about it in the news about some other things that are going to make Hawaii blow up even more. If it was a year ago, you didn't need to make reservations anywhere. No, yeah, that's true. You, I mean, no, yeah, you honestly, isn't that crazy? I know. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're going to get into another, you know, other than the fact that tourism is out of control right now. But we've been we've been saying a lot about that lately, that we've been right on everything. And I, I don't want to be right. I don't want to <laughs> be, I didn't want to be right on this stuff. But it's been so right. It's like... You ca- said summer would be out of control. It's tourism. chaos. It's yeah. absolutely chaos here. But, um... So the continued loss of more Hawaiian land at the hands of uh, the politicians for profits by leasing out Hawaiian land for commercial leases to developers for an additional 40 years. Um, Even before I go any further on that, I'm just at a loss of words because it seems like they just don't understand. Like the, the politicians in the legislature here... They, they preached a lot of stuff during COVID of how they were going to change, what they were going to do, and then as soon as tourism started opening again... It all went away. It, as soon as the dollar bill started flying, they said, eh, fuck that shit. We don't and really the, need let's to get, do yeah, it. <laughs> let's get right back into tourism. Let's blow up tourism. Let's destroy the island some more. And let's not think about or talk about all this these wonderful ideas about having, having farms of breadfruit, having <laughs> sustainable living, having all these wonderful things... Let it all go to hell. Let it all go to hell. <laughs> so that's kind of what has happened here. So Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the land could be given to local Hawaiian families that can't afford a home. That would be a great thing to do. Um, they can build on it or give it to local Hawaiian farmers to build sustainable agriculture. You know, like we were saying, the, the politicians promise all this stuff when we first shut down. Mm-hmm. and then And then here we go. They lied to us as they always have. And like I've always said, you know, and I'm not going to change my opinion. And, you know, Amanda's not the type of person that goes headstrong into this shit. <laughs> but as long as you have one power here and one power and in, in one party in power, they're going to be drunk on that power. And we're in the middle of the Pacific. Nobody cares outside of Hawaii. Hawaii is a place where you come for a vacation and say, fuck this and leave. 
and we're the ones remaining here that have to deal with what's happening and what the politicians are doing. And until they can feel that they're going to lose power here, they're going to continue this genocide against the indigenous people and make it impossible for the average family to survive here and continue to mismanage really the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. This is the most beautiful pa- place on earth that I've ever. I've, I don't want to be anywhere else on earth. You know? Yeah. I mean, would you? No, I love it here. They but continue yeah. to mismanage it. It's bad, I know. And when you make a decision to extend land use instead of giving it back to Hawaiians, which you were supposed to do, because a lease on the property is only 60 years. So what you've done. If you've given them a 40-year lease before, now you're going to give them an additional 40 years. That's 20 years over what the law says. This is bullshit. This is this is against the law. And the state doesn't care, and there's no one to keep in the track. And the only time this state gets caught is when the federal government moves in and starts fishing around. Investigates. Investigating and arresting people. Yeah, it and is. It it's is unbelievable. Up, so you guys have to understand. There's a lot of corruption going on here, and when people come to vacation here, they don't see what's going on. It's a beautiful place. Blah blah blah. Of course not. But well, yeah, what's happening here is a genocide of the indigenous Hawaiian Kanaka Maoli people, and it's getting sickening. And I'm getting very tired of it. And you know the homelessness being so out of control. I have a friend who's here right now visiting, and he was driving through Waimanalo yesterday and yeah. he texted me he's like wow I had no idea Hawaii is like a third world country he texted me that and I was like yeah you know what you know and, and I've you know it's slowly sadly kind of heading in that direction because as I predicted and as we've been talking about on the podcast for years now you're entering a climate of when you only have rich people and poor people there is no middle class anymore. The middle class is smart enough to get the fuck out of here. That's exactly what's happened, yeah. But the people who, like us, who love Hawaii so much, we're here. We suck it up. We're here suffering <laughs> so you can hear our plea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious. We're, I know, we are I know. middle. We are middle class, and we're struggling. But we love it too much to leave. We love it too much to leave. And when you have that aloha spirit and you have that love for Hawaii, even though you're just scraping by, you can't leave here. But the issue with that now, today, is the fact that when you start to take these beautiful places away of why we live here, then you start to put lists together. I can't go to Hanama Bay. I know. I can't go to Manawili Falls. I can't go out to a restaurant. I have to wait in a blo- I have to go around the block to wait in line for a fucking malasada. When it when you start putting your list together, you start removing brownie points, and then it gets to a point where you're like, "Why the fuck am I here?" Gosh, nobody's gonna want to visit after this <laughs> podcast. Jeez. I'm sorry, but I'm being. Ri- no, am I wrong? This is this is how we feel right now. Am I wrong? No, I said this is how we feel right now. It's very yeah. unfortunate. Um, it's really taking a huge toll on us. Yeah, it is. It's like um, it's just like waiting. It's just like getting up in the morning, going out and get hit by a bat. <laughs> just hit by the bat in the back of the head. You don't even see it coming. <laughs> well, maybe we see it coming, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we see it coming, but I don't think anyone coming here is going to see it coming. That's true. The group I had today, they said, wow, I feel like I'm in Vegas. 
Oh, I was, so I was, I was just taken back. What I was about like, Vegas? We don't have shows or gambling. Well, when I mentioned to him, when I mentioned to the group that, um, well, maybe not Vegas, but maybe like a Miami. Yeah, there and they go. said, yeah, that's true, because Miami's on the ocean, Vegas isn't. But they felt that it had the vibe down in Waikiki of like how busy and how yeah. crowded it is right now, and the lines to wait for everything. No, it's true. It's tr- it's totally um, out of control at the moment. Yeah, so if you don't want to come to Hawaii, just keep listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, like this can't, it can't last forever. No, it's it not. Cannot. It's Hawaii not. cannot handle it. But right no. now is not the best time to come here. No, I mean, I would say, you know, we said before, you know, come at a certain time. And people did start to come. And then it kind of chilled. But then this, this summer is where the vaccination started. Everybody's getting out, and we're going to talk about what's coming up soon. Yeah. And there's going to be more influx of people coming. And now we're, I'm predicting, and I think we're both predicting, because we have to change predictions as, as, as we move forward. We don't think it's going to be a good time to come to Hawaii till after 20, uh, until we get to 2022. Mm. Because 2022 should be a good year, hopefully, where things have chilled out, things have evened out, people have gotten that thing out of their system they've gotten out they traveled they spent their unemployment money they spent all that money they weren't able to spend and hopefully in 2022 things will even out in hawaii we'll get back to normal i hope so i really do that's my hope too i do too so let's move on all right okay maui Maui. yeah the island of maui and the here we go the hawaii tourism authority is recommending no tourists travel the road to hana Unless with a tour company. So that means you can't take your car out. You can't rent a car and just drive the road to Hana. Well, anymore. you can't rent a car anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is a good point. But if they booked it like, you know, six months ago. Well, catch this. The couple, t- the uh, the group today that I had, they were tried- trying to rent a vehicle. Do you know how much it was for the week? How much? 3200 Oh, my God. Can you believe insanity. that shit? 3200 to rent a vehicle. It's because the rental companies don't have any vehicles. They... they, they s- you sold them all to the mainland during COVID. And Turo's really out of control expensive too. How about your old Jeep you've been seeing? Oh my God. It's my going for what, $200 a day? My old Jeep's $200 a day on Turo. <laughs> oh my God. What is the wrong black with me? Bees. I should have I should never got oh, rid yeah, of it. I should never got rid of it. Um, yeah, so I mean, because the road to Hana is so backed up with traffic now and people are all parking illegally. Uh, tourists are just doing whatever the hell they want. If they can, if they can park over the side of the road, they're parking. Uh, no locals can do the road to Hana. No locals have any parking to park anywhere. It's it's really getting really, um, I think, depressing for the local community because they can't use Hawaii for why they're here. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Uh, and that's the way we felt we feel here right now. Um, so they're telling tourists don't go to the road to Hana now. Go with a tour company because it keeps every everybody impact in one vehicle, and it's just a lot less cars. And hopefully, it won't be backed up that much. It's just so crazy that I, it's come to this. It's it, it's crazy that it has come to this. But my God, if you would just uh, the way the state is running this these islands right now, it's going to be catastrophic in the future. And we're going to explain that why with the next one. Yeah. You can't keep regulation regulation never solves the situation it only moves a problem to somewhere else that is always the way it is and the people that run this state i hate to say it and i'm going to be honest once again liberals love to regulate and when they regulate it causes problems in other areas and that's exactly what we're going to be seeing with other places in hawaii 
and which we're talking about if you want to go ahead and talk about Hanama Bay. Sure. So Hanama Bay, continued regulations and increase in costs pushing tourists away to less populated areas. It's causing them to overpopulate and become destroyed and therefore needing these other areas to be regulated. So what's happening now is Hanama Bay has a reservation system. You can only make reservations, I think it's like two days in advance, Mm -hmm. but apparently- It's $25 a day now per person. Well, it doubled, it more than doubled in price, but also it's impossible to get a reservation because if you don't do it within two minutes of when it opens, 703 it's yeah, it was like 703 yeah. in the morning so it's become a huge problem so now everybody's going to Sharks Cove on the North Shore oh, because that's not regulated but now you said driving by on tour it's super out of control there yeah so I mean essentially what we're talking about here is you're regulating Hanama Bay which is a beautiful place to snorkel it's a nature preserve uh, when Hawaii closed down we talked about it many times in the podcast the, the the reef was able to heal 70% without tourism I wish we could have seen it I know and the whole idea was they said they were gonna let us see it first all the all the vaca- all the uh, people who lived here and they lied to us about that um, they just opened it right away the tourists went in uh, and now I believe it's only opened it used to be open six days a week now it's only open four or five days a week I still we still know exact days do we know I think Monday and Tuesday it's closed I didn't know that okay I think Monday and Tuesday it's closed and then it's open the rest of the week and the weekend um, it's a $25 a per obviously most people it's gonna be four people right you're gonna have a couple of kids you're gonna have mom and dad you're looking at $100 then you're looking at renting snorkel equipment now you're looking at $150 to snorkel for two to three hours People are going to ma- just put their foot down and say, screw it, spend the money, or screw it, I'm going to the North Shore to Shark's Cove, which is just as good as Hanama Bay, and it's free. It doesn't have the lifeguards, It's not regulated, yeah. but it doesn't have lifeguards. Yeah, it's not as safe, perhaps. The other thing is, is that the regulations in Hanama Bay, now some regulations are decent, but some are not because it pushes people to other places. Now, what because Hanama Bay is so... Uh, it's like what is it like it's like in the top three it's like diamond head pearl harbor hanama bay right those are the three things people do there yeah yeah. so you kind of had to have some form of regulation there because the the reason why is for environmental purposes so in that way it is good because it keeps people you watch a movie it keeps people off the reef protects the reef there's nothing like that going on at shocks cove so when you push everybody to shocks cove Every goddamn tourist is walking all over the reef, destroying the reef. Only the ones that don't know. I no, I went there. Everybody's walking on the reef. Oh Everybody. And I'm like, how long before that gets destroyed? Yeah, it's and then the state fast. and the DLNR gets involved and says, you know what? We have to regulate this place. And then there's another place locals don't have to go because it has to be reservation and you have to regulate it and you have to control the parking and you have to pay for the parking and next thing you know it just gets out of control the, no the other reality is sharks cove really isn't as safe as Hanama it's Bay. not it's, there's been drownings there there's been you know people like pulled in so you do have to be careful there too. There's no lifeguards and there's no video to teach you safety no but documentarily wise there's a lot of deaths at Hanama Bay. A but that huge is true too. Amount, but that's because p- 
people who are older that yeah. should not be going snorkeling or having well, heart attacks. It's because yeah, people don't realize <laughs> that it's a cardiovascular activity yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're not actually like running or anything right. like that. You're not swimming far hard, yeah. but that just the breathing through the snorkeling gear is a cardiovascular activity. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, both places have deaths, but one people don't. One place does not have lifeguards, and that can be very dangerous. And a lot of people go to Sharks Cove, and then they say, "Oh, it's getting a little too busy here. Let's go over to Three Tables, which is Ooh, right next door." Even and more dangerous. That is even more dangerous because it's in the open ocean. And the waves can get pretty intense there, even sometimes during the summer months, and you can drown easily, and there's no lifeguards there. So you're just getting in trouble. If the state is pushing you to go to the North Shore and do these activities, you're putting yourself more in danger. And this is an issue that the state's going to have to deal with. They, uh, I, they have not solved these problems now. <laughs> I don't, I'm not holding my breath to, for them to solve them anytime They're soon. They're going to have to figure something out. They're going to have to. So let's move on to Manawili Falls, yeah. which of course is a spectacular waterfall hike here right. on Oahu. It's going to be closed for two <laughs> years <laughs> to be updated, just like Manoa Falls had been. I mean, literally, Manoa Falls just opened and they closed this one. I can't believe two years, though. <sighs> That's crazy. So they're going to regulate it um, at a parking lot, probably make you pay to park there. Yep. And... Yeah, it's what's been happening all around the island. So they mentioned you can still hike the trail while it's closed, but you must get dropped off and walk in from an alternative location as there's no parking allowed in the Monowili neighborhood. So this is interesting. This is what the state said. While the trailhead will be closed, hikers can access the trail through an entrance near the Poly Lookout. However, the state warned that long-term parking is not permitted at the lookout and hikers must be dropped off. This is going to be a logistic nightmare going from the Polly Lookout via Old Polly Road to Monowili Trail and then connecting it to the Monowili Falls Trail because it's like 8 to 10 miles. Yeah, that's insane. Now, that is so crazy. Yeah, now also the you have a you have a Polly So you have the Polly Lookout and then you have another location a little bit further down. A little bit from further the down. Poly. And that's where they want you to get dropped off, right? Yeah, that's where they... Well, you know what? I, it said the hairpin turn. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest, though. People are not going to know what that is. Yeah, so, I know. So they're not even going to know where that place is. They're probably is. going to go to the Poly Lookout. <laughs> and they're going to get themselves in a lot of trouble. Um, but if you go a little bit further down, there's a little parking lot to the side that overlooks Kailua. And that place, if you take that hike, that connects to Mount uh, Willie Trail to Mount Willie Falls Trail. That's confusing. Is that eight miles? It doesn't matter. It's eight to ten miles either way. Yeah. Yeah, you're just going a little bit further down on the poly. And it's probably going to cause people to get lost because that's not a well-marked trail. No, no. Um, you can also reach Mount Willie from the Waimanalo Trail, but that's also eight miles. Uh, Believe it or not, I would say both are no-goes for tourists. You know, the state recommending this, I think it's just being careless. Absolutely careless. Do they not realize how long of a hike they're recommending? No, I don't believe they do. And the <laughs> it's ridiculous. The tour, I mean, you need to be, you know, like there's a lot of hikes where you kind of go on all trails, you kind of figure it out. But that's for the people who hike. Those yeah. are the people who actually follow trails, follow GPS. A lot of tourists just come in and do it blindly because they think, hey, this is the spot the tourists hike. Yeah, you know? so, if, so if you're going to be doing an 8 to 10 mile hike, you know, are you prepared physically for it, mentally? Do you have enough water? 
Do you have a GPS system? Do you have snacks? Right. I mean, these people are going to these people are going to have a 50/50 chance of getting lost, not having enough water by the time they go from either the lookout of the Pali or the higher one and do a Monowilly trail and then connect it to the Falls trail. It's just so stupid. I if don't you guys want to do this trail, do your research first <laughs> is what we're saying because it's not as easy as they seem to be making it it's out an to all be. Day, yeah, it's an all-dayer. Yeah. You're going to be doing this all day. It's And honestly, I've done this trail. It's not It's not worth it. It's just, I mean, if you want to, if you haven't done, like you, let's say us. Yeah. If we wanted to do it because we live here and you know what the hell, we'll go do the trail. It's an all day or let's have some fun. Yeah. But if you are all about on vacationing and you want to do the best things with your time, this is a huge waste of your time. It kind of is a waste of a day because Monowoli Falls, yeah, it's beautiful, but is it worth eight to 10 miles? No. I don't know about that. No way. Yeah. No way. Um, the only possible reason, the only possible reason you would do this is because the main trail to Monowilly is now closed. So if you did this 8 to 10 mile trail, more than likely you'll have the waterfall to yourself. Either to yourself or with a lot less people. I actually would do it just to have Monowilly fall to myself. Yeah. I would. But if you really think that people are not going to park in the neighborhood and still break the law and go up that way. That's true. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're, they're going to do, do it. it like, you know, 6 a.m. before. Exactly. So I just wouldn't bother going the long way because more than likely there's still going to be people there, at least local people. And it's just a waste of time to do that. If, if you're going to, if I knew that I was going to get to a waterfall, and it was going to take me 8 to 10 miles, but I was going to be alone, I would do it. But if you're going to be there still with 50 people, it just ain't worth it because it's only two miles to get up to it by going on the trail. Yeah. yeah it just, it's just, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Diamond Head. All right. <laughs> this is just what's happening here. These are, this is crazy, all the stuff I that's changed. Know. Sorry for all the negativity. It's but just, yeah, but it's current it's news. It's a lot of negative right now, unfortunately. Yeah. So Diamond Head's always been regulated, but now it's going to go through a process of being highly regulated with a reservation system, just like Kanama Bay. Yep. Higher parking fees and higher entrance fees to hike. So they're going to make a pretty penny off of tourists. Not only that, this makes, and really honest to God, and I'll be honest with you, this is how I feel, and I'm, I'm a guy, you know, we're people who live here. It discourages me from bothering. Because although it's going to be free for me, I don't want to deal with the bullshit. I don't want to deal with knowing that all these people are waiting in line, there's reservations. Do I, as someone who lives here, do I have to make a reservation? Do I have to make a reservation? I think we do. Like, we can't just wake up on a Saturday morning and be like, oh, let's go hike Diamond Why Head. can't I? I know, I agree with you. It's bullshit. So, I, yeah, I pro it probably won't happen for us. <laughs> okay, so that's the issue here, guys, is that the local people are not able to use these wonderful places because tourism has taken them over and it's because of tourism that they're being regulated and the local people are just like we're so used to going to a place and just going now right. we have to make reservations are you kidding me we can't get in anywhere this is not the hawaii way this is not what people here do or want to deal with and it makes us not want to do these it, it, and i wonder sometimes if the people who manage the parks the legislature the dlnr know this and say, well, this pretty much essentials knocks out all the locals. So we don't have to deal with them. Maybe. And that's depressing. That is depressing. Because this is why we live here. So we can do these things. And that's one of the big problems that we have here right now. And we're just letting you know how we feel, what we're seeing, and what's going on. 
and you wouldn't want us to just bullshit and lie to you, right? And of course we love our good tourists who no, we love do. Hawaii and we of want you to we come do. and we're not discouraging you. But to be honest, now is just not going to be the best time for you to come. You can come, by all means, come if you want to, but just know what you're getting into and make sure you have your reservations. Yeah, yeah, make sure you have reservations before you come here for your restaurants that you're going to go to, for everything that you're going to do. Yeah, don't think you're going to just grab dinner on the street because no. you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be back, and we'll continue the news. The wonderful, positive (laughs) news. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, how's it? And welcome to the Aloha Life podcast. You're listening to us because we have great patrons who have joined our Patreon page and have become members of the podcast by supporting and donating to our show. Without our patrons like you, we wouldn't be on the air. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to hear more shows every week, please do take a moment to join us and become a patron of our podcast at patreon.com forward slash living the Aloha Life. And thank you so much for your support. Okay, we are back. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this week what's co- going on this week covid restrictions <gasps> and for those vaccinated entering hawaii so this is all domestic travel now yeah all those not vaccinated need to con- need to either continue to get a covid19 test for entry or enter a 10-day quarantine yeah so that's just the way it's gonna be yeah. and i don't support one way or the other, if you want to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. Yeah, you don't, exactly. If you don't want to be vaccinated, it's your choice. It's you don't have choice. to be vaccinated. And um, But this is the situation. This is what's happening. So vaccinated, get right in. So what does that mean? We're going to have more of an influx of tourism now. I think so. They're expecting tourism to actually increase from what it is now is what I read. And that's a little scary because right now you cannot rent a car. You cannot sit down at a restaurant. You cannot make reservations to do any activities that require reservations. Our beaches are so crowded that you cannot park at them on weekends. You literally cannot do anything right now. Come to Hawaii. Come to Hawaii now. This isn't the Hawaii we know and love. And we don't know what's going on. We're at a loss for words, and it's the frustration. I know you can hear it in our voices. Like, we're just, we're, we're over this. Something has to give. Something has to change. Oh. It's crazy. I, I'm uh, really, I, I could really go for an apocalypse right now. And it's like... <laughs> It's not just for locals, though. I feel bad for tourists, too. And I've actually had so many friends visiting lately um, because, you know, all the tourists are coming. And I get it. You've been home for a year and a half. Like, yeah, of course you're going to come. Let me tell you my day the other day. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you my shit of a day. Now, I had this amazing group of people, amazing group of people. I wanted to show them everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into the story behind this particular family, but there's a lot behind them. And I just wanted to make their fucking day. And I did the best I could. But no matter where I went, we're out. It's an hour and a half wait. We're out of that. No more pokey. Nope, no fresh fish. Nope, we can't do that. Oh, nope. Our no. wait. Before you know it, before you know it, my tour ended up two hours over. over and I said, fuck it. Let's just watch the sunset. <laughs> but I had to give it to them. Because I've never... In my life of 25 years living here and 10 years in this business of doing tours, had been so internally angry and upset at what's happening. And it was because I felt bad for the tourists. 
it was because I felt bad for my group. And it's very aggravating when you try to put something together and it is out of, like, I like to control the day. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. I could not control my day. Because I could not everything control. was all sold out by the time you got there or you had to wait for two yeah. hours. And I didn't even talk about the traffic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for a goddamn Ted's slice of coconut. Hapia. Hapia oh, chocolate yum. pie. I waited for five, 45 minutes. Yeah. For these guys. Leonard's food truck's the same way. When my friends were in town, I took them yeah. to the Hawaii Kai Leonard's food truck because we didn't want to deal yeah. with the line in town. It still took us 45 minutes to wait Listen, in line at the food truck. I forgot to mention that. That's how we started the day. 45 minutes waiting same. for Leonard's. Yeah, that's insane, right? So right there, that's a two-hour delay on getting two dessert products that everybody loves in Hawaii and there's no way <laughs> I was not going to get that for them. My friends really wanted to try Malasadas. But so. catch this. <laughs> Catch this. We didn't make it to Shave Ice. I know. That's so Everybody, sad. every place was closed by the time we got to Haleiwa Town. Yeah. And then we just stayed there and watched the sunset. So I'm very aggravated that I can't provide the service that I want. And even though, let me tell you, they gave me a hell of a fucking tip. Yeah. It's the biggest tip I've gotten. Aww. <laughs> but the thing is, and that didn't really matter because I needed to perform a certain way. And I was not able to get... That was the, would have been the last thing to get them that shave ice. Yeah, of course. But there's n it was out of my control from the time. Nobody had any lunch food anywhere. Everybody was out of fresh fish. Uh, we went to the North Shore where they had the poke shack. He said that they're, they're not catching fish now either. Why? I don't know. But they're not, able, they're not catching a lot of fish. Oh. So on top of the fact of that there's just a shortage... Not, the fishermen are not catching a lot of fish either. So really, I don't know what the hell is going on. But What could they do? Uh, there's nothing we can do right now. And for the tourists, I feel bad too. I do feel bad for I the do. tourists. I I feel really bad yeah. for them. Like when my friends yeah. are here. Yeah. I, I just felt so bad because we wasted so much time. Same thing, driving in traffic. And yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so, it's been, so it's been bad. It's been really, you know, upsetting for, I think, some tourists and for the locals. Um, but overall, the feeling I'm get from getting from all the visitors is that they've had a great time. Because they don't know the difference. They don't know the, they don't know what it was really before. Yeah. Because believe it or not, I would say 75% of all the people I've been taking, it's their first time to Hawaii. You know what? That's a really great way to put it. So if you love Hawaii and you've been here a million times or whatever, and you know what it used to be like, then mm. you're going to probably struggle with this. Yeah, but if yeah. you've never been here before, it might not affect you the way it affects us. I'm surprised that people on tour with me are so chilled. But I think <laughs> it's just because I put out that, I put that feeling out. Um, but they've been pretty chill. Oh, that's okay if they don't have it. We'll go to the next place. We'll go to the next place. We'll go to the next place. But I'm sitting here. This place has never not had fish. This place has never not had poke. And it makes me nervous. So, like, what is going to happen the next day I go out? Yeah. And I don't usually have to think about that. I know. Yeah. Okay, so three months from today, this is the estimated time it will take to reach a 70% vaccination rate in Hawaii to lift 100% of COVID restrictions like mask wearing indoors so that is the only thing we still have going on here do you yeah i don't know if people realize that we're the only state in the country that still has a mask yeah. mandate in place for yes. vaccinated people it's so stupid <laughs> it's fucking it's, ridiculous just so you know if you do come here it's very conservative when yeah. it comes to covid we're the last state that's been conservative about it many believe that a 70 percent vaccination rate will never happen if that is true then we still must lift all COVID restrictions. And I believe that if we are not 70% vaccination by October 1st, 
we need to lift all restrictions, period. We'll see what happens. I'm done with this. So right now, I believe we're at like 59%. Yes. Yes, 59%. So we have 11% to go. I don't believe we're going to get there either because I have a feeling, and and it's just kind of overall the whole country, there's going to be about 30, 35% of the population that's just not going to do it. Yeah. You can't force people to do it. Also, you have to remember a large percentage is ineligible for the vaccination. So are those numbers being counted in Mm, that percentage? Like kids under 12 are not allowed to get vaccinated, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking that it's only the, I think they're only trying to include the number that can be vaccinated. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that 70% is trying to be. Is that just for people who are of age that can get vaccinated? The other thing is too, is of, of that 30%, how much of them have already had COVID and have antibodies? How many have already had COVID and don't believe they need to get the vaccination? How many of them have immune conditions where they can't get vaccinated? Yes. So this this is a lot of issues with that. So I think we're probably hovering and we're going to hover as a country around 30, 35% non-vaccinated. Yeah, that's possible. That's this is the way it is. Okay. So the major problem here we're having right now is it's only starting to hit Hawaii, but it's slowly creeping up because I'm noticing it when I go to fill yeah. up my Jeep. Gas prices are getting a little out of control here in Hawaii, too. So between renting a car that's out of control, expensive, and putting gas in the vehicle, you're looking at Oahu at $4, Maui at $4.05, Big Island at $4.10, and Kauai at the most expensive $4.25. That's interesting to see the breakdown of the different islands. I wasn't (laughs) sure. But um, yeah, actually, I thought Big Island would be cheapest. I was wrong. Yeah, but that takes the longest for the gas to get there. That's true. It makes a lot of sense <laughs> when you put it that way. And it's still not the most expensive Kauai yeah, is. I know. Yeah, so it's kind <laughs> Kauai, of... Kauai, everything about Kauai is expensive. I know. It, but it's just bad. It's, you know, it's over $4 everywhere. Yeah. I think it right now, currently on Oahu, it's like three ninety seven. so it's going to be $4 like in a day or two. Right. But it is bad everywhere, too. It it's is It's not bad. just here. It's on the mainland, too. Yep. But then again, this is also summertime, so people are traveling, and they always put the gas prices in the summer up. They do. So hopefully, eventually, these costs will go back down, but they're kind of getting a little expensive here, and we don't really have to travel far here. So I don't know why our prices are going up, too, but that's just the way it works. It's just annoying. So, yeah, so I'm not happy with the prices. Me neither. What's going on with the DOE, Department of Education? So the Hawaii Department of Education announced a long time ago that all students would be returning for in-person instruction this upcoming school year. However, since that time, (laughs) many parents and families have inquired about distance learning options for their kids. So now the BOE... Now what is the BOE? The Board of Education... Uh. We'll discuss distance learning options for this next school year on July 15th, which is about two weeks before students are scheduled to return to school. Apparently, there is worry that forcing all students to return to classes could have a harmful impact on enrollment, meaning parents would pull their kids out of school. Now, here's the thing. In Hawaii, where we have some of the poorest public schools in the country, when parents pull their kids out, there's drastic effects on the schools and their budgets. So one idea our new HSTA, which is the teachers union president floated was having dedicated teachers teach distance learning classes by complex while in-person teachers focus on the class in front of them. Because historically last year, teachers had to juggle both. They had to teach their in-person students in person while also having students doing virtual instruction and try to balance that somehow. And it was horrible. 
But here's the thing, like I think we all agree that kids need to be in school. They need the social aspect and they learn best when they're in school. So just to um, hear this was really surprising to me. But I think, again, a lot of it comes down to money and budget. Well, my view? Go ahead. I think it's bullshit. Yeah, but I do mean, you hear them, what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. The budget? I hear what you're saying. If their school's budgets are slashed because parents won't enroll their students because they don't want to let them go back to school, then... When you get a pipe and there's a really, really, really small leak, <laughs> you can patch it up, blah, 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 but eventually that leak's going to get bigger. And unless you fucking weld that motherfucker, seal it shut, it's just going to eventually pour out. And what I mean by that is this is just opening up a doorway and I think for this shit to happen forever. I think that's more of like the mainland attitude <laughs> and I wish it could be Hawaii's attitude too, but unfortunately our schools need their budget. It's insane. But I mean, this is, and what upset me about it, parents? So I've been telling you that from day one, Hawaii is super conservative with COVID and I don't know what it's like on the mainland, but here in Hawaii, our students were allowed to return back to school in person last fall. But you know what? So many parents chose to keep their students, their kids in distance learning. That was their choice. Wow. They had the option. And it's crazy because I feel like on the mainland, parents want their kids back in school. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like that's the attitude over there. And here, our parents are the opposite. Well, see, this is the problem I have with that, right? So <laughs> now listen, if you want to homeschool your kids, I actually don't have a problem with that. See? They're not doing that, though. Right. Right. So if you homeschool your kids and are dedicated and the mother's dedicated or the father's dedicated to doing that, okay. But this situation, our children are losing major communication skills. They're hiding in their rooms. They're playing their video games today is a perfect example. I had the kid eat um, some of the most beautiful scenery. The father just couldn't get over it. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at this? Are you looking at this? No, he's on his phone. Oh, so, his, so his dad took the phone away from him. Oh. And it was beautiful. It was, a be it was like one of the most beautiful moments of the day. Wow. And then he had to look at the goddamn mountain range. You know, and it was beautiful. <laughs> and, <laughs> Did and he like I, it? Yeah, he loved it. He's like, okay, yeah, okay, I get it. And But the thing is, it's like the kids are lacking communication skills uh, in general, but with other human beings, and they're getting more separated from reality. And these kids... And, and this is just contributing it from being looking on a computer screen. It's not good for their eyes. It's not good for their brain. It's not good for anything. And they're just learning this way. They're like, it's almost like you're teaching them to detach from human beings and other people and actually being in person with them and communicating with them. It's more the communication. It's all the social skills. This is a problem. Yeah. You know, I remember, I'll never forget this, and this was a while ago, but last spring I was working with a student and she was doing um, the virtual instruction still by choice. Her parents were not letting her come back to school yet. So parents brought her in to work with me for her evaluation and I was just talking and chatting with her a little bit and I was like do you miss coming to school and she's like no and I was like really you don't miss your friends you don't miss socializing and she's like no what the fuck is she's wrong like, with her I have a phone we text that's wrong but how is that the same thing I just it made me so sad for her and for everybody because I feel like they think that's normal that's socializing now and sounds like she's gonna be on tinder later no, I mean, she was a really, really sweet, wonderful sure girl, was. but I think it's just her normal now, you know? See, that's not normal. And that, that's sad. It yeah. is sad. 
it is sad, but we have to move on to the next story. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so 2020 <laughs> baby bust. Let's Whee! talk about that. Okay. Hawaii experts warn declining rates are poised to last forever. And I don't doubt it. <laughs> As cities went into lockdown in March 2020 and the COVID crisis kept just about everybody at home, demographers predicted the year would see a baby boom. However, they were wrong. 2020 saw a baby bust in Hawaii. Yeah. Across Hawaii and nationally, more and more women are putting off having children, having fewer kids, or foregoing motherhood altogether, contributing to a steady decline in the fertility rate, unlike anything that's been seen in generations. There are now about 2,000 fewer births a year in Hawaii than there were just a decade ago, and trends point to further declines. In fact, the state predicts Hawaii could soon see more deaths in every year instead of births. That's crazy. And I wouldn't doubt this because, I mean, there's so many factors. This seems to be happening all over the country, but also the world. But for Hawaii... The cost of living. For Hawaii, it's going to be extremely devastating because we're going to be losing young talent. Uh, Hawaii is aging severely, just like China, just like Japan, and they don't have the young workers. Right. And less births, less, I mean, let's just, you know, it is what it is. You, you know, you got the kids, they grow up, they work, they go to school. We're not going to have that in another 20, 30 years. We're going to be in serious trouble. Hawaii doesn't offer the college and graduate experience that the mainland does. So no. young, youth, they're leaving and they're, they're leaving, going yeah. to the mainland to study and then they're not returning. If it wasn't for the transplants and people coming and moving to Hawaii, I don't know how any job, any, any business would be able to fill their positions. I, that's, that's just the truth. Um, and I think it's just only going to get worse as Hawaii gets more expensive, more local families are going to leave, and then I don't, and they're not having children because they can't afford to have children. They can't even afford a house to put the children in in the first place. I know. Well, so that's, I think, why also we're yeah. not seeing as many women get pregnant because of the financial aspect right. of it. But that's, going, that's, that's not even happening in Hawaii. That's, it's very it's, bad here, but yeah, it's happening it's everywhere. everywhere. I know. Yeah, it's in a lot of places. So we are going to have a shortage and it's so crazy but i had written a quick outline script about something like this of course you did (laughs) i I, i've written scripts about everything i have like a couple of paragraphs but it goes to where in the future you have to force people women and you have to have children oh hell no (laughs) i know but what they do is it gets to the point where you know the human beings you know rebel and then you just growing them in petri dishes and then you have a workforce. That's crazy. It is crazy, but that I've, is a possible future. You know, I've always been that like crazy weirdo who didn't want to have kids, and now, yeah, yeah, now I'm not it. alone anymore. No, this <laughs> no, you're right up there with like <sighs> half the population. I know. Shoots. Okay, so let's. What do we got here? We got. A, Why don't you talk about this? I'm so excited. You Ige override. Yeah. So you know, I'm a big uh, supporter of Governor Ige. House Bill 682, the Screw You E-Gay override. <laughs> State legislatures take out a long-standing frustrations against the Hawaii tourism uh, industry today by overriding Governor Ige's veto of a bill that puts the fate of the Hawaii Tourism Authority in question and dramatically changes uh, how Hawaii's main tourism agency will be funded. Both House and Senate members voted by two-third majority to override Ige's veto of the updated version of House Bill 862, 
while complaining about how tourism is being managed as the islands see a post-COVID-19 tourism rebound that's generating complaints of overcrowding and other issues across the state. Uh, I'm very concerned that House Bill... I wish I could do a Kermit impersonation. Uh, I'm very concerned that House Bill 862, as passed, would seriously damage HTA's ability to operate, which is the Hawaii Tourism Authority, Ige says. Now more than ever, we need to strike a balance between a sustainable and respectful visitor industry and mitigate the impacts of our community. This is, goes very long. This is continues, and I don't want to read it all. I mean, I'm not going to read it all. But really what it's saying is, fuck you, Ige. Um, you haven't created a balance in sustainable living and the difference between tourism and the local people for eight fucking years. Go fuck off. How do you so really feel? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what they told him. No, and actually, I, I was really it. happy for this. I was really happy with it. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a lot of money away from the Hawaii Tourism 30. What does that mean? Uh, they're not going to be advertising on the mainland to come to Hawaii anymore. You're not going to see them on billboards. You're not going to see them in, in magazines. You're not going to see them in commercials advertising Hawaii anymore. Uh, let's just say this. We don't need to advertise Hawaii. Hawaii sells itself. People are coming anyway. People are loving Hawaii to death now. We certainly don't need more advertising. And it's not a good use of our money. No. Let's invest it in something. You know, let's give it to the Hawaiian people, for God's sakes. Exactly. Yeah, right. I know, but exactly. It would be great to do that. Listen, and, and there's some other things in this bill. They wanted to divert some uh, TAT money, which is, um, you know, it's certain money that you get through taxes of resorts and hotels and bullshit like that. Right. And also from rental cars. We talked about that in one of our we podcasts. did. They wanted to divert that and start giving it to the Honolulu, the county and si- the city and county of Honolulu. So Ige was saying, "Give us all the fucking money and, and screw all the other counties on Maui and Kauai and Big Island." Who is this guy? What does he think he's the goddamn emperor? <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, I swear to God, give me give me five minutes in a room with this guy. His term is almost over, yeah. Thank God. When Thank does that end, you know? I don't. Is it this year? No, it's no. not. It's not over this year. I think Shoot. it's um. I don't think, uh, you know what, I don't think until 2023. Really? Yeah, he's got one more, I think he's got one more year. I think he's got 2022 still. I was a year ahead in my mind. You know, maybe I'm wrong. No, you're probably right. I think I am right. Yeah. But um, this guy has been the worst governor of Hawaii, at least in my lifetime, that Hawaii has ever seen. I mean, he's just been, I mean, I, I, everybody knows how I feel about this guy. How about middle break? Let's go to a break. (laughs) Because after we get back, we're going to get out of all this bullshit we've been talking about but i think we owed it to everybody and especially the listeners that listen to the free shows about what the hell is going on around here it's only been an hour of it (laughs) (laughs) the patrons will love it (laughs) okay we're gonna go middle break we're gonna come back we're gonna be talking all about double greg knoll one of the best surfers in history uh right now middle break we're gonna go listen to blue stingrays Surfer's life. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
1969, big wave surfing was hit with what would become known as the greatest swell of the 20th century. A massive low pressure system metastasized into one colossal storm system that consumed the North Pacific Ocean Basin, resulting in the largest waves ever recorded. The supersized storm uprooted trees, dislodged boats onto Oahu's Cam Highway and blew houses right off their foundations. Oahu's 13-mile stretch of stunning world-class surf breaks became a morass of turbulent six-story storm surf. The first light I was sitting at Waimea looking in disbelief at what I was seeing, that it was breaking so big that Waimea was just a full of white water. So I decided to go around Kaina Point and look at Macaw because that would be the last spot that would still uh, have some chance of holding up. Noel set off west to Makaha, the birthplace of modern big wave surfing, thinking the huge swells slamming into the North Shore would be tempered as they wrapped around the island's far western bend. 
On the drive west, he stopped briefly at Kaina Point to snap this picture, which Surfer Magazine later claimed was the largest wave ever photographed. When we got to Makaha, the cops were going around with their blare horns on their cars, telling people to evacuate the homes on the point. Makaha was the only big wave break on Oahu considered rideable, as Noel and a handful of daring surfers attempted the huge swells. As the morning progressed, the hundred-year swell surging out of the North Pacific was giving rise to bigger and bigger waves. Finally, everybody was out of the water. I was the only one left, and I was having a real hard time trying to gear myself for this thing, because I knew that basically it was a situation where your chances of surviving one of these waves was about 50-50. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that we're giving up the farm for a stupid wave, and I, I, I finally had to just paddle outside the lineup 100 yards and sit on my board with my head down and kind of go into another gear and the final decision was that I would never have forgiven myself if I'd allowed this day to go by with it a lot, at least trying for a wave. Noel turned and paddled for what was then considered the biggest wave ever attempted. No photographers were on hand to capture his wave. Not a single shot nor a single frame of footage exists. All that remains are the memories of the handful of surfers who were there that day to witness his momentous ride. Greg Knowles starts to paddle and we're all in our cars just going, oh my God, look at this. He's starting to paddle into this thing. It's this huge black massive wall and we watch him and he takes off, stands up and he's this little speck on this gigantic wall and you're going, oh my God. And he drops in and he looks like a little tiny cartoon figure. And he gets that Greg Knowles stance where he just gets into the thing and he goes, I'm going. And he drops down, drops down, drops down. He gets to the bottom of the wave, and the whole thing's already starting to, to just co come over on top of him. And he just kind of like stepped off the rail. I mean, there was nowhere to go. That was it. The fact that he made the drop, got to the bottom of the wave, and it was like oblivion after that. The whole thing just. Along with the birth of my sons and my daughter, it was probably the most significant day of my life. Even though it wasn't photographed, and even though people have argued since then, well, how big really was it? It doesn't matter. In our imaginations, it just was huge. Because on that classic day, of the biggest swell ever seen, he essentially rode alone. And he faced it when it came to him. And that's what every surfer does in their own life. Everyone can relate to that. All right, we are back. And we're going to be talking about the legend, Greg Knoll. Of Greg Knoll. Go for it. Are you ready? All right. Noel was born Greg Lawhead in San Diego, California on February 11th, 1937. All right. He subsequently adopted the surname of his stepfather, Ash Noel. At the age of three, Noel moved with his family to Manhattan Beach, California. He began surfing at the age of 11. Awesome. He was a member of a Manhattan Beach Surf Club where he learned board shaping from Dale Velzi. Noel was also a member of the Los Angeles County Lifeguards and competed in paddleboarding. Right on. Very cool. 
Noel developed his ability to ride big waves off Palos Verdes at breaks such as Lunata Bay. He moved to Hawaii at the age of 17 in 1954. He was the only Howley among 1,700 Hawaiians at Waipahu High School. Can you imagine how many fights he got into? Where he finished high school and <laughs> lived and surfed at Makaha Beach. Can you so, imagine? I cannot imagine. Now he surfed and, and he pretty he pretty much lived and surfed in Makaha. So West Side. West Side, yeah. It's so tough, tough, very local. This was a this was a tough motherfucker because Oof. he must have gotten into so many fights, not only in school, but just trying to get out and surf Makaha. I'm sure. Uh, this guy was. But big. he was really good, so I'm sure they respected yeah, him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Greg Knoll, known to all as Double, recently passed away at 84 years of age on June 28th, 2021 of natural causes. Yeah, it was only like a little over a week ago. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why we, we had to do a show on this guy, because... For sure. I've been following him since... Shit, I've been following him since I was a teenager. Really? I love this guy. Oh. Yeah. Noel became known for his exploits in large Hawaiian surf on the North Shore of Oahu. In November 1957, he was the only crazy surfer at the time to have surfed Waimea Bay in 25 to 30 foot surf. At the time. At the time, this was thought to be impossible, even by the local Hawaiians. <laughs> Noel once again did the impossible by being the first surfer to ride a wave breaking on the outside reef at Bonsai Pipeline in November 1964. Yeah, Noel says, the wave I caught at outside Pipeline that day walled up 25 feet high, about half a mile in front of me. It broke to the left, so I had no choice to ride it with my back to the wave. And it was a god-awful, sickening feeling. Instead of getting smaller as I wrote it, the fucking bitch grew on me. It got bigger and bigger, and I started going faster and faster until I was absolutely locked in. I felt like I was on a goddamn spaceship racing into the black hole. At first, I could hear my board chattering across the face of the wave in a constant rhythm. As my speed increased, the chattering noise stopped. For about 20 feet, I was airborne. Then I literally was blown off my board and live to talk about it. So that was a YouTube video we just watched a little bit ago, right? Yeah, now he's talked about this story many times. <laughs> yeah. Some some ones he doesn't swear so much about. Sometimes he swears. <laughs> he loves to talk about his balls. Oh, yeah? Just so you know. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because he says, and I kind of get it, because I used to do a little surfing, but anytime I would get myself in trouble, I don't know what happens, but you, it's like your balls go up into you. I don't know what it's like, but I hear what he's saying because oh. it happens to guys. It's like their balls go up into your throat or whatever it is. Or they get tucked up inside your leg. It's a bizarre thing, but he always talks about his goddamn <laughs> nuts. And I'm like, Jesus, Craig, what are you talking about? You're not so much about. Anyway. <laughs> Noel, Noel was very difficult to miss on the beach or in the water. He had a bodybuilder's physique and took a very wide aggressive stance on his board as if poised to pounce on prey. <laughs> he is most well known for his black and white jailhouse style stripe board short trunks, which you have. Yes. Mainly because other surfers had been taking credit in photos and videos of him running waves, <laughs> and he was getting sick and tired of others pretending to be him. <laughs> the striped shorts made it a certainty that it was Noel in those photos and videos and not anyone else. 
In look and style, Noel was and always will be the Babe Ruth of surfing, Jim Kempton, president of the California Surf Museum, said when interviewed about the passing of DeBowl. Right on. Noel jokingly said once, It just goes to show that if you live long enough and tell enough bullshit surf stories over and over, at some point, everyone will believe you because there's no one left around you to dispute it. Although Noel never took himself that seriously, nor gave a shit what other people really thought, what he actually did and achieved is what legends are made of, even if he said he didn't give a damn about any of it. And that was his life. That's kind of the mm. way he lived it. And uh, he's really like one of those last surfers left in that age, in that time. He has, you know, he had all the great surfers passing around him. He just recently passed. Yeah. And uh, so really, he's like one of those little remaining ones that he could make up stories now. If he, I think that's what he was saying. <laughs> he could just make up a story and people would probably believe it. But the thing with him is he never made up shit. Yeah. And he never had to because he didn't really... He was that good. Well, not only that, but he didn't care about fame. Mm. So he didn't really care. He did it because he loved to surf. He didn't do it to become famous. So you believe the guy yeah. because he was pretty honest about everything. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we're going to get back into Greg Knoll and finish this off. Obviously, this is going to be a lot shorter than the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So take a break. We'll be right back. All right. All right. Hawaii is one of the most beautiful places on Earth, an 808 cleanup intends on keeping it that way. The 501c3 environmental nonprofit's main mission is restoring Hawaii's natural beauty for its local community and visitors. 808 Cleanup empowers volunteers to conduct decentralized cleanups through the Adopt-A-Site campaign, responding to littering and vandalism of Hawaii's natural spaces, tagging and graffiti removal, saving Hawaii's indigenous ecosystem, and building sustainable solutions with local communities and nonprofit partners. If you love Hawaii and wish for its beauty to remain for generations to come, consider donating to a great cause and supporting 808 Cleanup's mission to keep Hawaii clean from Mauka to Makai at 808cleanups.org. All right, we're back. Double Greg Knoll was one of the best-known pioneer big wave service to exist and was truly a surf legend. Knoll was called the bull by his fellow surfers for his stubbornness, straightforward and aggressive approach to the sport of surfing. Knoll gave little regard to his safety or health when it came to the biggest stoke of riding the biggest and most dangerous waves of his time. His approach to life wasn't much different. His life revolved around surfing and everything the sport entailed. He was also an amazing surfboard maker, as well as a producer and director of surf films. His surfboards have sold for up to $10,000, and his jailhouse board shorts are highly sought after as well. Noel pioneered modern surfing in Australia and produced a series of surf films while there. He also discovered Mazat land in Mexico. Now, I've never heard of this place. Nope. As a prime surf spot. Now, before I even get into the next part, this is what these guys did. They actually looked for locations around the world, said, you know what, that looks like a good surf spot. I think we can surf that. And then they went out and surfed it, and then it became famous. That's crazy. So that's what they did. These are the pioneers that went all around the world, found places they think they could ride surf, surfed it, and then they just became places for competitions after that and great surf spots. Wow. So he was one of the pioneers who did this. Noel had the balls to be the first to ride the fearsome big waves of Waimea Bay and outside pipeline on Oahu's North Shore. 
you guys hear this? <laughs> this was him. He. This is the guy. So yeah, Noel was a prankster and brawler who often gave lickings to those who deserved it. But he was also a charmer who lived to hang with and entertain the ladies. (laughs) Like other surfers of the 50s and 60s, he loved to drink, fight, and get in trouble. But he took the business side of surfing seriously, unlike many others, and saw a future in profiting from his fame by building a brand around his name. One of the first to take this approach as also a businessman. Noel Loom's largest, Noel at his prime, was 6'2", 230 pounds. He just didn't ride the biggest waves. He built the largest surfboard factory and promoted himself relentlessly by producing surf films and publishing surf magazines. He was one of the greatest surf and business pioneers in his industry. Cool. Now, surfers, most of them, just didn't give a shit. Yeah. They just surfed, drank, fought, screwed, and didn't think about the business side of it. He was one of the few. He pioneered this. It's impressive that he did the he, business end, too. I know, which is so amazing. Noel's motivation for riding Big Surf came from the stoke of living in the moment. Now, see, this is different from our. We live in the moment the way we live in the moment. If you're a Buddhist or if you're someone who wants to live in the present moment, he lived in the present moment by getting stoked by riding that wave. Yeah. You know, that's a huge uh, difference. You have to live in the moment or you're you going to be in trouble. You're going to die. It became an addiction, he says, that no one could understand unless they had ridden big waves. He also enjoyed his relationship with his elite and rowdy surf friends in his competition with them. Noel said, I just wanted to ride a bigger wave than anybody. I wanted to do something none of the other guys could or would ever try <laughs> doing. That day finally came in 1969, many years after uh, surfing the best and biggest waves in Hawaii. One day in December 1969, when an enormous storm drove in monstrous swells onto the shores of Oahu's west side, it created a day like no other to this day at Makaha Point. There, Noel met the wave that had beckoned, but eluded him for 20 years. Although the size of that wave is still argued about Noel, uh, Noel said he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he knows it was the biggest wave he ever rode, the biggest wave anyone ever rode, period. Hawaii State Senator and former World Surfing Champion Fred Hemmings was out in the water at Makaha that day and saw everything. Hemmings described Greg Noel's experience as a man on a death wish. <laughs> if it had been anyone else on that wave, they would have died. Oh my god. Greg Knowles' fuck this and fuck that attitude is what allowed him to live in the moment of the stoke, putting aside his fear of death or what other people thought so he could reach the ultimate high and the ultimate wave. In Greg Knowles' fashion, he never made up shit or overblew any surf stories. One of his famous quotes is precisely why Knowles was so genuine and why I personally respected him and got a pair of his famous jailhouse board shorts. He never bullshit and just said it like it was. And this is what he said. I'd love to say something heroic. I'd love to say we made surfing history. But basically it was a bunch of us guys parked around the bay and one of us grabbed a board and decided to go surfing. It looked so good the rest of us looked at each other and said, shit, we gotta get going with this. (laughs) That was it. That's awesome. I mean, that's it. That's his story. That's his story. Uh-huh. And he got into it. And so, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, really good. So he was, you know, 
What's the right word for him? I mean, he was chill and everything. Humble. He was very humble. Yeah, he was very humble and down to earth. And if you guys look up his videos, there's a million videos on him, like part one, part two, part three, where they interview him and he just talks about his stories and talks about his life. He does not look like the way he used to. Uh, oh, yeah, Before he yeah. passed away. I mean, obviously, he's not going to look like the way he used to. Yeah. Uh, he had gained a lot of weight. He's a lot bigger guy before he passed. But, um, yeah, he's just a really genuine guy that when I actually first saw him in the documentary, I was like, I was just attached to this guy. I, like, was, I was shocked boom. when I first saw what he looked like because I did not expect him to be a white guy. Yeah, right? I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, he was totally a white guy. But <laughs> obviously when he was younger and he was in Hawaii, he had a good tan. Yeah, of course. Um, and he was, you know, big, big muscular dude. Right. And, uh, you know, later on in life, obviously, he had moved back to California, uh, continued his uh, board making. And even, so so catch this story because it's, it's before we end this, he... Although he ran a business and although he did all these things, guess what he never did right? What did he never he do? He never paid his taxes right. Really? The IRS and the federal government came in and took his board company. No, I didn't know that. He, they took his board company what? from him. Yes. So now his boards go for $10,000. His board shorts go for hundreds of dollars. <gasps> uh, I mean, and you know what he said? He literally, there's, a, there's an interview where he says, you know what, fuck you guys. He literally said that, and then he got <gasps> out of the whole business, and he said, oh. you know what, if I don't make any more money, you can't take any more money from me. So that's how it was wow. his, that was his attitude. And you know what he did? What? He became a fisherman. <sighs> and the end of his life, the last like 10, 15 years of his life before he passed away, obviously he was still doing a bunch of surf stuff. He was still signing boards. He was still making them with his son. He was still doing board shorts and signing those and making, you know, gobs of money off of image pictures and all that stuff. He decided to chill out, become a fisherman. Go and fishing. And do charting, do boat charters, and chill. And that's what he did because he was so upset from the federal government taking that from him. Wow. Yeah, but obviously it sounds like he never really paid taxes at all. So <laughs> I, feel I, did bad not for, that. I feel bad for the guy. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the way, you know, he spent... The, the, the remaining of his life um, fishing, which was very interesting. Uh, but if you can believe it, that's how he started his life. We didn't talk about that. Oh, really? He was a chummer on a, on a fishing boat. <laughs> and he would chum to bring the fish around. Before he started surfing. Surfing. Yeah, interesting. That, so at the beginning of his life, he was a chummer, and he used to be on fishing boats, and that's when he learned how to make uh, surfboards. So does that mean he started surfing later in life? He wasn't a kid? Um, well, he was 11 when he started surfing. 11. But he was already on a boat chumming before that. Really? Yeah, he was, he was, the kid had a good, I mean, the guy had a good life. I guess he so. He did a lot of different things, you know, I mean, who can say anyone's had the type of life that he's had? He started, nope. he started doing this, he had a crazy marital life, he made amazing boards and shorts, and then he went back to what he was doing in the beginning of his yeah, life. Yeah, that's full it's circle, just, right? Yeah, it's just full circle, so... Rest in peace, man. Yeah. I mean, there's never going to be ever. There's just never going to be another Greg Knoll ever. That's like that's like saying there's never going to be another Babe Ruth. It's really true. There's there's only like one. There's never going to be another Tom Brady. There's never going to be another Greg Knoll. Of course. So just an awesome guy. So, okay, we're going to end this podcast uh, next week. We're going to be doing flora and fauna of Hawaii. So we're very excited about that one. Then our next two patron-only shows are going to get hot and heavy. <laughs> because we feel that it's kind of about this time to do this. 
I said this to you. You did because you know we've been kind of bent up, at sh- you know, bent out of shape lately, and we kind of have to go into the annexation of Hawaii and the last king and queen of Hawaii. We're going to try to separate that. The annexation did happen during the last king and queen of Hawaii, but we're going to keep it separated, and we're going to talk about um, you know the king and queen. And then we're going to first do the podcast on the annexation of Hawaii of 1893 and kind of work our way up till it became a state until 1959. It'll be really, really important one. It's going to be really important because we haven't done this type We've of podcast. We've never actually put this all together in one podcast. We've yeah, talked so about it in bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, so you're really going to get a good feel for the situation of the Hawaiian Kingdom and why the Hawaiians feel the way they do. And, you know, yes, we're part of America. Would, we, would it be better if we were just a territory instead of a state? Probably. Uh, there's no reason why the government, you know, the military could still be here to protect Hawaii, yada, yada, yada. But if we were more like Samoa, uh, like American Samoa and, and stuff like that, I think the Hawaiian people would be more accepting of the situation that they're in. Uh, as long as they were given more land and giving land that were promised to them, which we just talked about there. Right. It's not being it's given It's not to happening. Them. Yeah, so the, the, the America is continuing to break promises. Is, Hawaii, is America perfect? We have, there's many debates right now about America, right? You know, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're not, too, you're not patriotic. You're, you know, you're the flag, all this other shit. Listen, of all the countries in the world, America is the, you know, I'm, I live, we live here. But I, we, I believe America is the best country. Is it perfect? Fuck no, it's not perfect. It's got so many problems. It has to make up for amends. And um, and I think we can still do that. The thing, the reason why it's very prevalent here and in the Hawaii culture is because the Native Americans, the Indians, you know, it happened uh, even longer ago. You're talking about 1959. Yeah. You're talking about it. Actually, wasn't too long ago that this happened. It's and that's very why recent. we need. Yeah, it's actually the most recent genocide and takeover. You know, uh, of a situation like this, and, and it needs to be discussed. And everybody needs to know if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast, you do need to have this background knowledge. Well, it's for patrons only. <laughs> <laughs> so come join our patron so community. Get on board. But um, if we remember, yeah. we could also maybe just discuss what, you know, we just had the 4th of July. What does the 4th of July holiday look like here oh, in Hawaii? Geez. I know, it'd be, I think a lot of people don't realize, so we could talk about that. Yeah, we should talk and about it. Well, also, if I remember, I can talk about my first very unkind Instagram comment I got on my <laughs> post about what my... Yeah, what did that say? Oh, I'll save it for that episode. Okay, but it was for it. my... Uh, I posted some pictures for my um, three-year anniversary of moving to Hawaii, which I was really excited about. And I yeah. got some very... Un- uh, one very unkind comment. Yeah, there's always going to be trolls around. No, and, it wasn't um, a troll. Well, you know. <laughs> I consider any comments like that trolling. They're trolling. They're just looking for reasons to say something negative. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a troll. That's true. a troll. Yeah. There's, there's just people all like that. There's just people who, um, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about that next week, too. The fact is that uh, the people who love Hawaii, the people who listen to this podcast, the patrons who support the podcast, uh, support us in keeping this podcast going, um, they all love Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Hawaiians need us, need those people. The they good, they the need people us. Who care. They need the ones who care. They need the ones that will stand beside Hawaiians and support them, and fight with them. And I think when Hawaiians do the opposite and push some away, they don't realize that it's hurting them. 
Right. But there's also, yeah. I, I also feel like they're just not going to, like, there's no point in responding because they're not going to no, fight back. Yeah, you don't respond because, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. There's always yeah. going to be people that are like that. Um, but I think if we can show them and tell them we're on their side and we understand what they're going through and we support what yeah, they're trying exactly. to do, then they'll be like, come over here. Exactly. Because I know I've heard, you know, when I first moved here, uh, brother Ike which I lived with, and I'm still trying to get a hold of him. He hasn't yeah. got back to me. Uh, 100% Kanaka Maoli. He said, it doesn't matter that you're not blood. He said, if you stand by us, you are us. I love that. So that's a thing. If we can show and prove to them that we support what they're doing, and we understand there's a genocide, and we understand that there was an unrightful takeover and, you know, of, of these islands, and it should have been done properly, or it should have been done in agreement in a treaty, there would be a different type of Hawaii. And it would be much more, the Hawaiians would be much more supportive of the U.S. government. Um, so we'll talk about all that in the uh, annexation uh, podcast. Yeah. Right? For sure. Okay, so, uh, yeah, finally, mahalo to all the amazing patrons who continue to support the show without you guys. How many times we say this, this podcast wouldn't be possible. We wouldn't have free podcasts Absolutely. for people to listen to. Mahalo. Right on. Mahalo. So before we go, we're going to listen to Dick, Dale, Shake, and Stomp. <laughs> and then we're going to do a big shoot. So, ready? Ready. Shoot! All right. See you guys next week. Aloha. Aloha. we surfed that day is not what the young guys are surfing today. This place was breaking about once every 45 minutes, maybe half hour, and it was breaking. When you get on top of your car and you look out and you can see where the, where the reefs start, where the blue water ends and the reefs start, it was breaking just inside there. It was a white elephant break. 
I've never seen, you know, in a hundred trips to the islands, I've never seen it break again. The direction of the swell had to be perfect. Kenny Bradshaw has paddled out there and dove. He claims he's located the reef. He thought it was bullshit until he went out and spent a half a day and he found the reef. And uh, basically it was, we just rolled up there and saw this thing break, pulled the boards off the car and said, you know, Mike and I spent a half hour, 45 minutes trying to get out. The current was just raging towards sunset. We figured if we got to the left, maybe I know it was 50 yards to the left, we hit the water and you had to be about oh, 75 yards off the beach out and if you timed it right and hit this little saddle you might make it through there we tried twice got back up went back up on the beach and ricky greg was up on top of his car you know telling us when to go anyway we paddled out boom we took lineups from kaina point and stuff and zeroed on it it broke once as we were paddling out you know you'd look down over the side of your board or over here sort of going like this and your balls are starting to suck up inside your body because somebody's going to be nibbling on your toes. But uh, they just kept, you know, just just swam. And fortunately, the current wasn't really bad. And so we paddled slow, and another set came in. And we were within two or 300 yards of the place. And it broke, and I will never forget the wave. It was just, you know, all the pictures of it, it's all gloomy and shitty. When I saw it, I don't know whether there was a break in the clouds or what, but here's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful line, you know. I don't know how big it was. It was big, it was the biggest I've ever seen pipeline. And the thing was just glistening like diamonds off the face of this wave. Just a big, beautiful, grinding thing. And it wasn't typical pipeline where, you know, it's kind of a, you know, you take the drop, go a little ways and blow out. This, these things were long, long, long walls. The direction as it came around Kaina was just perfect where it hit that reef and the walls just kept going. And as it broke on that reef, the reef must be sh shaped a little bit like this as it would break on that reef, it wouldn't lose its size. It just, in fact, the wave got bigger. And we sat out there for two hours, three hours maybe. Mike got away. Got, up, lost his board and paddled in. Took him two hours to get in. And uh, I finally got a wave. That, you know, you've, I guess you've seen the wave, have you? This wave was an outside reef wave. I mean, we didn't even know it. They're fast and they've got a lot of slope to them. And my board was 11.8. And it was a paddling machine. Paddling and paddling and paddling in the last minute tails raising and sliding down the face of this thing and then it just you, I couldn't get out of it I couldn't you know about all I could do is just spread out and hang on to my balls and hope for the best and it went forever the wave just went and went and I could hear the board going and pretty soon it was going and nothing man and the board just it just raised off the, and I looked down and I'm just going like this off the face of the wave and the wind caught it, whipped it. And you don't see it in the picture, but I mean, I was four feet off the wave, spread out like a, you know, pancake and trying to stay on this thing. And 
and it, it folded over in front of me. How did you get in? I mean, dog, I'm a shitty swimmer and I dog paddle for over an hour. Over an hour to get in, over an hour, an hour and a half, I don't even know, you know. So anyway, uh, they, you know, they, Bud Brown used the thing in four or five movies as the end shot and uh, a lot of good things happened, you know, a lot of fun serving. You know, you look back, man, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of it. When you speak up, it's all the all the good, yeah? So that opens a right way range, aloha. Whether it's Pono, Maikai, still the same. I don't care how you look at it, it's still aloha. Be Pono, be righteous. Let's go. 